Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Aldi is hosting National Hiring Week for stores September 12th through the 18th. Over the past several years, we've grown rapidly, expanding from coast to coast. That means more opportunities for you to join our store teams across the country. You'll also benefit from our newly increased wages. During National Hiring Week, qualified candidates will be invited to interview on-site and may receive same-day job offers. Join us and apply online at careers.aldi.us slash radio. Welcome to more. Aldi is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we do have to let the screen breathe just for a second. Make sure we have Facebook on here with us. And we are good. Five beautiful green check marks. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we had to delay our stream a little bit here tonight, almost by a solid hour, because YouTube was down, and uh, so much of our audience is on YouTube. And even though we can always try and funnel everyone to Facebook or funnel everyone to Twitter, Periscope, or Twitch, or whatever... It, we just thought, hey, let's pump the brakes. Let's dial it back an hour, and let's see how the chips fall. And it's back up and rolling. At least that's how it seems. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well. Yeah, apparently it was some worldwide outage. <clears throat> people on Twitter were freaking out, Chad. It was just a catastrophe for people who are addicted to YouTube. Unfortunately, it intersected with our podcast. But if any of you guys out there, let us know if you're experiencing glitches, any ill-timed mistakes with the podcast tonight. Hopefully it's solid. Hopefully it's consistent. But, Chad, regardless – we have some Broncos news to go over tonight, for sure. Yeah, and let's start with that really quick. We're going to get to Shelby Harris, first and foremost. We'll get each other's reaction analysis on Devontae Bosby. I know Building the Broncos touched on that quite well uh, on last night's live stream pod. Uh, and then we want to go through some grades here at the midseason of the, the the different position groups of the Denver Broncos. What's on your mind? We'll get to your topics, your questions here in just a few minutes. But, Zach, yeah, the uh, – I think the news of the day and probably the news of the week, unfortunately, is that Shelby Harris, who in a very upstanding and responsible and selfless way, notified the Broncos Tuesday of last week that he had been exposed to the virus outside of the building, someone that had been infected. So he went into that protocol, took himself off the board, so to speak. And the incubation period, you know, it looked good because he went days and days and days and was negative, negative, negative. And today negative or was a a positive so that puts him for sure out for this week he says he's fine for what it's worth he says he feels fine he's asymptomatic he's feeling no symptoms so that's the silver lining that's the good news and we hope it stays that way but Zach your reaction to the fact that unfortunately the Denver Broncos are going to have to go into their first trip to Allegiant Stadium in Vegas to take on the Raiders without Shelby Harris 
Yeah, first and foremost, I hope he's okay health-wise. I always say this, Chad, it's more important than a game. It's more important than football. I'm happy he's asymptomatic and feeling okay. Second of all, it sucks for the Broncos' defense. There's no two ways about it. Uh, his impact was felt greatly last week, and I think it'll be felt greatly this week. Derek Carr isn't Matt Ryan, but that passing offense is explosive. They need all the pass rushing prowess they can get, and not having Shelby out there, if only for his batted passes, if only for that alone, Chad, what he brings to the table on passing downs, it's a huge loss for Denver. I just hope that some of the other, other young players can step up in his, uh, in his place and force Derek Carr into an uncomfortable situation on Sunday. You know, I'll be honest with you. As much as I respect Vic Fangio's X's and O's acumen, and as much as I recognize Bill Kalar as being the best defensive line coach in the NFL, I didn't see coming last week how well that defensive line played against Atlanta. I mean, you know, Todd Gurley's not the same player he was even three years ago, but the Broncos limited the Falcons after giving up 200-plus rush yards to the Chargers to three different no-name running backs. The Broncos limited Todd Gurley and the Atlanta Falcons to only 92 rushing yards on the road. And, of course, you know, game flow was part of that because Matt Ryan was able to, you know, pick up some big chunk plays through the air. But nevertheless, they held up quite well against the run, which was my big concern, Zach, because – with Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker and even uh, McTelvin Ajim showed you in this past game, the interior pass rush, that that trio alone can help you. They can bring something to the table. It's a matter of stopping the run, and I think they got quite a, a big contribution as well from Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, the off-ball linebackers, in terms of, of their run fits and doing their job. But that's my biggest concern, Zach, because this Las Vegas Raiders rushing attack is big, it's physical, and it's got one of the most dynamic running backs in the game in Josh Jacobs. I was going to say, I fear this rushing attack a lot more than I fear Todd Gurley. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They have a great tight end. They are a really well-balanced offense that can pose a lot of problems to this Denver defense. Let me just say one thing for my fantasy players out there. If you have Devontae Booker or if he's on the waiver wire, I would pick him up this week as a sneaky flex play. Uh, the Broncos defense gives up the eighth most points to opposing running backs, and it's a revenge game for him. He is the clear number two in Vegas behind Josh Jacobs. Jacobs is kind of dinged up right now. Uh, he actually led the, the Raiders and carries last week, Devontae Booker. It's going to be interesting to see, Chad, what the Broncos do against this rushing attack with Booker, Jacobs, and also on top of that, the passing game. This Raiders team is pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, we'll go through some of the numbers here tonight. We'll do some comparisons, you know, how we do here on the show. We'll do some share screens and, and visualize this opponent together in comparison to the Denver Broncos. We'll get to that here in just a few. But, yeah, definitely – Unfortunate news. I had had my fingers crossed that Shelby was going to make it through that that uh, self isolation protocol unscathed, but alas, it wasn't meant to be. And it really is unfortunate too, just for the player, because it does, you know, obviously for catching the virus, you know, that's that's touch and go. And fortunately, so far so good for for Shelby. But I mean, just the the macro view of his career, and he's had such momentum this season, really proving that last year was no fluke. He's gotten even better this year. The sacks haven't been quite as prolific, but it's only been, I mean, he's only played three quarters of one half of a season, right? He played in six games. Uh, I guess seven, actually. It's only one that he missed in the first half. So he's almost two full quarters of the season, two and a half sacks, but he's among the lead leaders once again in uh, on defensive line batted passes, and he's just stepped up as a leader. And if I'm the Denver Broncos, Zach, and I'm looking at 2021 and I'm juggling my salary cap priorities – even though I know I've got Jarrell Casey under contract next year, just considering his age, considering the fact that we spent big, made a trade, got him over here, and he 
you know, he's been a healthy guy for most of his career, but the, the straw of, I don't know what the straw was that broke the camel's back, but the camel's back did get broken. Jarrell Casey out all year. If I'm the Broncos, that money that I had earmarked for Jarrell Casey in 2021, I'm figuring out how to funnel that to Shelby Harris. Let him be my veteran guy. Yep. And as Bob Morris wrote today at milehighhuddle.com, you know, the Broncos defensively, they basically look at each unit. They go, all right, we got the D-line, we got the off-ball guys, we got the edge, we got the corners and the safeties. And when there is turnover and there are free agents coming and going, they like to keep that one veteran that has some uh, pedigree and some experience with the team on the in the unit. And I think that's got to be Shelby Harris if you're wise in terms of trajectory. He's going this way. Jarrell, as great as he's been as a player over the years, he seems to be going this way, at least with regard to father time and the injury bug. It's interesting that you bring up Shelby Harris's career arc because where was he a cast-off from, Chad? Where did he begin his career and they discarded him? That's the Raiders. So that's a revenge game for him as well. That's unfortunate. New stadium. The Raiders are kind of good this year. You know he wants to be out there impacting the game. But I also agree with you. I am cutting Jarrell Casey this offseason, and the money I'm saving, which is north of $12 million, I am giving to Shelby Harris. Or I can divvy it up and give some to Shelby Harris, some to Garrett Bowles, some to Philip Lindsay. But they have to cut the players who are just taking up space on the roster and rewarding the players like Shelby Harris, like Philip Lindsay, who are pulling the majority of their weight. We got a lot more to get to tonight. We'll talk some Devontae. We'll get to what's on your mind. We'll go through some grades. We're going to have to keep tonight's podcast because we had to push it back an hour. We do got to keep tonight's podcast as close to that one hour mark as is humanly possible here from your football priests. And we're going to get to all that here in just a few minutes. But first, we got to take care of a couple quick matters of business. Gang, tonight's live stream pod brought to you by sportsbetting.com. By now, as you know, uh, gambling is legal in the the state of Colorado. And sportsbetting.com, gang, is the no-brainer option for Broncos fans. Sharp odds, low juice. You get hassle-free bonuses, and you can roll over that bonus money after using it one time which is unprecedented. You don't see that anywhere out there in the online sports betting world. Plus, you get 24-7 live customer support. It's always a real human being, and that human being is always here in the United States. But the kicker, and this is where you really got to pay close attention, at sportsbetting.com, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. And it's not just one of your bets, but all of your bets. And the way it works is you play for a week, If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to a thousand bucks. And that bonus money, again, you can roll it over after one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle, sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. All right, gang, a couple quick things and then we'll dive right into the content for tonight. Just a reminder For those of you who are not following the podcast on Twitter, you know, today was a good example of why you want to make sure you are, because we notified everybody as we got close to our normal uh, go live time of six mountain eight Eastern. We notified everybody on Twitter that we were delayed. YouTube was down. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter so that you are apprised of all programming issues. Anything we put call outs, you know, the whole nine yards at huddle up pod while you're at it, the main account. At Mile High Huddle, you can see here my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. And then a very gentle and and brief reminder, check out the merch store. Head on over to huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. Get a hat. Get a T-shirt. Get a mug. uh, Get a face mask. There's a little something for everybody, and it's another way to support what we're doing here at the Huddle Up Podcast and, of course, Mile High Huddle. And then also, gang, 
Um, if you're on Facebook, we love our Facebook community. You guys just go above and beyond for us day in and day out. If you'd like to become an official supporter, just go to our page, facebook.com slash mile high huddle. You'll see the big blue button. It's another way if you click that to support what we're doing here, similar to becoming a super, uh, super chat superstar, but on Facebook. And if you're not in a position to do any of those things, it's all good. We're just stoked, Zach and I, to have you here in the stream with us, or if you're listening after the fact, we do ask that you do these three things though, because it's within the power of each and every person that can hear us right now to do these three things. Subscribe first and foremost, like this video or like this podcast, especially crucial if you're on YouTube or Facebook. And if you really think Zach and I are doing a good job, share it out there. That's number three. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Broncos Country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, the brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. It's never been easier to do good in the world, to do something, to make a difference. And Course Hard Seltzer is paving the way by launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Course Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Course Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results? One billion, that's with a B, gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. Also, with Coors Hard Seltzer, you're getting four refreshing flavors, and it's one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and Grapefruit. The specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I can speak from firsthand certainty that nothing quite takes the sting off a tough defeat like a Coors Hard Seltzer. I know that everything will be all right that I got my black cherry handy, trusty Coors Hard Seltzer. For a football fan, win or lost, it's the way to go. You heard it here, gang. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You, yes, you can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It really is that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com.
For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSelter.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach. I want to, because she's been waiting patiently, she got this super chat up there well before we went live. I mean, she, she's been waiting about an hour for this, but Poppy jumping in. We call it the princess of MHH, and wow. she can't be in every single stream, but of course today is Veterans Day in the U.S. of A., and I tip my cap to some of our superstars in the MHH community, like Chris yes. Hernandez, yes. like Mundungus, who also is a, is a veteran himself, and any of our listeners in the Broncos country community here at MHH who have served this country we tip our cap to you. Hats off to you, to be all honest, in, in all honesty. Yes. Um, and we just really appreciate you. And as Bobby says here with this very generous super chat, she can't always be in every single stream because of what she's got going on in her day-to-day and her grind. Everyone's got their own routine and their and their own rhythms with their lives. But Bobby tries to be here as often as she can. And as she says here, this is for Chris Hernandez and all the great veterans. Chris, by the way, 24-year veteran of the Air Force. Happy Veterans Day, she says. At work, can't stay. Miss chatting with you all, and go Broncos. And Zach, just that that level of um, generosity and passion and support for for us and for Chris and for just everybody, it just means so much to us. Yeah, I don't even care so much about myself, but just in terms of the people who serve, people like Chris Hernandez, people like Mundungus, anyone out there, anyone among our MHH viewer base, thank you so much for your service. And, Bobby, your donations, your contributions, and your interaction is so well appreciated. We're so grateful for you and everyone out there. It blows us away, honestly. Yep, much love to you, my friend. We really do appreciate you, and and we sometimes you just – Render us speechless. So thank you. But Zach, as we uh, jump back in, because we don't have a ton of time here tonight. I mean, we have plenty of time, but we're, we got to keep it tight to an hour. As we surmised, right, didn't take a rocket scientist, doesn't take Nostradamus to guess that the Broncos would probably try and get Devontae Bosby back after the Arizona Cardinals cut him on Monday. And sure enough, they put in a waiver claim and were awarded Devontae Bosby. So we don't yet know, and I can go over the practice report from, from uh, Wednesday, from today. We don't yet know if Bryce Callahan and A.J. Bouye are going to play for sure. It's looking good for A.J., for what yeah. it's worth. We don't know on Callahan yet because A.J. is out of concussion protocol. But what was your gut reaction to the Boz landing back in Denver? I have so many thoughts on this. First of all, thank you, Vance Joseph, for cutting him. Uh, second of all, the Broncos got so fortunate, Chad, and so lucky that he was uh, not only released, but they claimed him uh, higher than another team would have. My biggest gripe, though, is Fangio admitted that they needed the roster spot. It was a numbers game due to special teams. And you saw every single week, no matter if Bosby's there or not, the special teams is a disaster. So now he can't play this week because of COVID protocols, and he's going to miss this game against a good offense for what reason because you cut him because you wanted Devontae Harris you wanted Duke Dawson you wanted uh, a saying Bassey and you wanted a numbers game now you're down one of your best corners against one of the best passing teams in the NFL I'm happy he's back but whether the Broncos use him like he should whether the Broncos value him Chad going forward is a whole other story and at what cost like I get that your number three your number four corner has to just in terms of basic NFL roster math Coaches lean on those players to play special teams, but in the rare case, sometimes you got to move that around. The roster math has to has to be a little bit different. So, at what cost did that come? Let me think back. The Broncos cut him right before the Chiefs game. Let me think. Kansas City Chiefs 102 yard kick return for a touchdown <laughs> really made a difference. All right, let's go to Week Eight against the Chargers. 30 yard punt return. 
that flipped field position and, and allowed the Chargers to get into scoring position in a, in a hurry. And then this past week, no huge leaks on kick returns, but that face-palming moment, Zach, in which the Broncos had the illegal substitution on a freaking kickoff. I don't know. Nevertheless, not only did it not really make a difference or an impact for you there, but Zach, last week in particular, without Callahan, without Bouye in the in the lineup, the Broncos' young rookie corners. Bassey, you know, he got exploited a couple times early on third down, but he bounced back, played extremely well against the run. But Michael Ojemudia, a rookie, Ooh. you know, figuratively had his, his ankles busted by Julio Jones on that post-corner route. And then Devontae Harris was so bad. Eric Trickle, who's been utilizing his grading system now, dating back to 2014 when we started um, Mile High Huddle, Devontae Harris turned in the worst graded individual game from a cornerback in the history of, of Trickle's grading scale. He was that bad. And it doesn't take Eric's scale of grades. It doesn't take PFF, the eye test. I mean, he was horrendous, Zach. So the price, I'm what I'm getting at here, was it really all worth it? And now you get no. him back. And that's the good news is he's back. But, man, hopefully lesson learned. I, I would hope so. And I, I, you know, Vic Fangio, based on his answer, he came out and pretty much implied it was a mistake. Uh, but when you're trusting cornerbacks that aren't up to speed, that aren't NFL caliber over a guy who's demonstrated week in and week out that he's a perfect fit for the system, you question some of the roster handling, the roster personnel. And to your point, it didn't make the special teams better and it made the defense worse. So there's no there's no two ways about it. People were championing uh, the Bosby reunion like it was Deion Sanders in his prime. That shows you how valued he was in the community. Whether that extends to the coaching staff in the front office, though, uh, we don't know. Hopefully he gets playing time. Devontae Harris sits on the bench and stays there. Amen. I mean, honestly, I don't know why you need to even hold on to Devontae Harris. I understand that you felt like you had a little something there. When you, I'm pretty sure he was a trade, right? He was a he was a guy, or was he a waiver wire guy? No, it was Dawson that was the trade. It was Harris that was a waiver wire guy, right on the doorstep of the 2019 season. And the Broncos looked at it like, hey, here's a guy we think can be a really good scheme fit for for Fangio. And there were times last season when he played in the middle of the year, and I'm thinking in particular that Week Nine game against Cleveland last year. He played really, really well, and it's so. You know, it just makes it all the more ironic that his complete meltdown game came exactly a year later, week nine, 2020 against the Falcons. But he was bad enough despite that week nine last year. He eventually, a couple games go by, gets benched, Fangio moves on, completely stays away from him this year until he has no choice but to turn to Harris because they cut Devontae Bosby and it was a complete crap show. So I hope they learn their lesson. If either Callahan, again, it's looking like AJ is good to go. But let's say Callahan doesn't play, yeah, you're you're going to probably want Bassey as your nickel just because he's the most experienced guy now that you have in the nickel. But I don't know. Depending on the matchups, I might I might rotate some of those reps on the boundary of Ojemudia with Bosby. And at the worst case, at least he's your backup, right? At least you have a competent veteran that can step in and play. Because Zach, for whatever he might lack in terms of Fangio's ideal as a as a tackler or as a physical corner. He makes up for in terms of just his his it factor, dude. Like he's a great fit for the scheme coverage-wise, Zach, and he's got the ball skills and the instinct. I mean, he's never let the Broncos down when he's been on the field. Let's just put it that way. 
You know what you don't have to do, though, when you play good coverage? That's tackle. You don't have to worry about that. So as long as he holds up doing what he is known to do and his best attribute, which is coverage, he's going to be a solid contributor. I hope he sees the field in a starting capacity or near starting capacity for the remainder of 2020. I'm just going to, Albert, good to see you, my friend, one of our Facebook supporters, Super Chat Superstar, just an MHH dude. Love, uh, much love to you, Albert. I want to grab this real quick uh, because Boba, listen, buddy, all you got to do is put it in the stream once, okay? One time, and John will see it. I'll see it. Zach will see it. If it's meant to be and if we can get it, we'll get it. Try not to spam us, okay? That's That just gets you put in timeout. We love each and every one of our listeners, but don't spam the chat. He says, so my family – has been saying that the Broncos would be irrelevant because of Herbert Mahomes and Carr. Talking about the AFC West, I guess. Feel like we feel like we would be irrelevant, like the Dolphins. What do you guys think? Uh, irrelevant? I don't know. I mean, if you look at the AFC playoff picture right now, Zach, the Denver Broncos are three games out of. I, I should put it this way: they're three teams out from the number seven spot. Right? There's seven spots in the in the playoffs this year for both conferences. The Broncos are sitting at number ten, and two of the teams that are ahead of them in that ranking. They play this year, and, and one of them, the Raiders, they play twice. So irrelevant, maybe in terms of winning the crown each and every um, season, you know, the AFC West crown, it's looking like that's going to be Patrick Mahomes' personal property for the foreseeable. <laughs> but especially with the new lay of the land AFC playoff, um, you know, seeding-wise with seven teams, the Broncos can get in it. And guess what? Two of the – well, not two. One of the Broncos' three world championships came as a wild card. That first one with Elway, Super Bowl Thirty Two. They played in the wild card, and they got all the way to the big dance and won it all. So we've seen other teams do it in recent years, like the Ravens with Joe Flacco. Um, there's a few other teams off the top of my head. I'm, I'm missing them right now, but it can be done. Isn't the NFL also kicking around the idea of an eighth playoff seed I read yesterday? I can't keep yeah. up anymore with what's going on, but uh, there might be an eighth team. But not so much of the micro picture of the playoffs. As long as the Broncos have a quarterback like Drew Locke where they're the cardiac Broncos in the second half and the fourth quarter, they're never going to be irrelevant. They're always going to be on highlights. Uh, they always play good defense. I think they're they're a legacy NFL franchise, so they can't go like the Dolphins, the Bengals, uh, some of those other teams. I think they're always there to stay regardless of their record. Have they fallen off relevancy-wise the last five years? Yeah, for sure. They have to make the playoffs. But in terms of market share and, and, and hold of the league and, and, and the way analysts look at the Broncos, even though they hate on them, they still know the caliber of talent they have. They still know the type of quarterback lock is. And for as long as that remains, I think they're not going to be irrelevant. Yeah, well said. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. 
Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Zeus McPeak jumping in, top roping it. Each and every stream, we get to see Stu. We get to talk with Stu, and he's showing his love and support. Appreciate you, my friend. Hi as well. Hope you're having a great Veterans Day. And uh, again, apologies that we had to delay tonight's live stream, but thanks for sticking in there with us, my friend. And you just, you mean the world to us. I hope you know that. Yeah. Thank you, Stu. Um, shout out to John. Good to see you. One of our Facebook supporters. A uh, quick answer here for Tim, who wants to know on Facebook. Hey, you guys are, <clears throat> excuse me, you guys are great. Appreciate that. I don't have Twitter. How do we contact you guys outside of the live shows? You sign up for if Twitter. If you, yeah, if, if you don't have Twitter and you're not interested in signing up for Twitter, and that's fine. Uh, we encourage people to sign up for Twitter for what it's worth. We've had a lot of super chat superstars and listeners over the years uh, go from wherever that we found them as a listening or view, a listener or viewer, got them onto Twitter. But if you're not interested in doing that, it's all good. The no-brainer is milehighhuddle.com. You want to keep in touch with Zach, myself, we're at milehighhuddle.com all day long. That's where we hang out. So log in. It's free, right? That's where we're writing our articles. That's where we're putting our videos. That's where we're doing our thing. The conversation continues at milehighhuddle.com. So Hit us up in the comments there. You can DM us at milehighhuddle.com as well. Uh, so check that out, my friend. Uh, Stu Meat jumping in with a super sticker. Really appreciate that, buddy. Thank you. means a lot to us, and, and your consistent support is does not go unnoticed. So thank you, my friend. Uh, Zach, I want to real quick, I know we have a few uh, questions and supers that are stacked up here. Did I skip? I think I skipped... I want to say, John, that I might have accidentally skipped Mike. I don't know. Uh, check on that. But, Zach, I wanted to get your thoughts here. We're approaching close here to the halfway mark of tonight's podcast. I wanted to get your thoughts on these midseason grades for the Denver Broncos here that we published last night from yours truly, okay? And Basically, the way I formulated these grades, it was a little bit of everything. It was the, the eye test, statistics. Of course, this is position groups, not individuals, uh, but nevertheless, statistics, um, the eye test, PFF grades, and all into kind of one amalgamation. And I ended up doing it in letter form, right, letter grades. For the Denver Broncos sitting at three and five, starting with the quarterbacks really quick here. I couldn't give this this group, and this includes even the best efforts of Drew Locke, anything better than a D. Hmm. And really what it boils down to is, you know, three quarterbacks that have started at least one game in two consecutive seasons. It's just – it's tough to overcome that and still maintain a good grade. Drew Locke gets the injury week two, and since he's returned, it's always it's, – it's just been one step forward, two steps back. The good news, and in, in this is one thing I posture in this article before I dive into the grades here, is that you know the Broncos still have half a season. I mean, they still that's that's a that's an eternity, Zach, in terms of NFL lifespans or season spans. They got a lot of a rose left to hoe here. So this grade that I I awarded the Broncos quarterbacks currently of a D, all right, which is obviously one one mark higher than being a a, a failing grade. Can be improved upon, but am I off the mark? What would you? What would your letter grade be for Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll, and, and Brett Rippon up to this point? 
I think I'm mostly there with you, but when you look at the Broncos overall, when you look at the circumstances, Drew Locke, he's done a lot of good things this year. I know he's done a lot of bad as well. A lot he has to work on and correct, and they're probably worthy of a D, but I can talk myself into a D plus. He, he beat the New England Patriots and Chad, if his receivers could catch in that game, it would have been a huge game for Drew Locke. He beat the Chargers. He did some nice things early on in the season before he got hurt. The Broncos beat the Jets with Brett Rippon. The quarterback, when you consider the play calling, the injuries, the offensive line, uh, the rookies, all the new moving parts, I could talk myself into a D-plus, maybe a C-minus if I'm being generous. I think a D-plus, though, considering what Drew Locke has done against good opponents, I think awards him a D-plus. And I think he's done more good than bad. So it's a it's a passing grade, but barely. That's how I feel. All right. And I want to I want to blow through these as, as quick as we can because there's still a few supers that have stacked up. Bear with me one second here. Got to get some of these uh ads off the screen. All right. So running backs, you know, Philip Lindsay, when he's been on the field, Zach, he's been the he's he's been closer to the dynamic, explosive, just yeah. threat of his 2018 rookie campaign than he was last year. And last year, it's not that he wasn't as good. It's just that because he was the, the the grinder, right? The Broncos had to turn to him almost completely to carry the load as the, as the primary back, you know, he just, the, those explosive plays were fewer and farther between. And I think that was part of the inspiration behind them wanting to go out and get a guy like Gordon, Melvin Gordon, who could come in and be kind of take some of that bell cow wear and tear off of Lindsay and allow him to be that explosive version of the of himself that he was two years ago. The problem is he hasn't been on the field enough. And I, I, I don't say this to create any kind of implication like he's an injury-prone player or anything like that. It's just the fact is, halfway through the season, you know, he's basically – he missed three and a half games because of the turf toe, another half game because of the concussion. So he's missed half the season, basically. That being said, turning it over to Gordon – you know, he's to me, he's been very undeserving up to this point of that contract. He hasn't justified the money he got. My grade, and it's extremely influenced by Philip Lindsay's impact when he has been on the field, is a C plus. What would you tender here? I'm going to grade them individually, and I'm not going to grade them with their contracts in mind. I'm giving Philip Lindsay a B plus. Uh, he, like you said, he's been way more explosive, a lot like his 2018 self. He's dropped some passes, including two last week. I can't deny that. I also, you know, he's he's struggling behind the Broncos' interior offensive line, the offensive line as a whole, which has been struggling and run blocking this season. He gets a B plus. He's the most explosive playmaker they have with respect to KJ Hamler, Melvin Gordon. For me. I mean, I could give him a D plus. I, I, I'll be generous and give him a C. He's done a few decent things, but uh, nowhere near uh, what they thought they were getting in him. So I don't know what that average would be, a B plus and a C, maybe a C plus or B minus for the running backs. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, real quick, John, I want to I want to get uh, let's let's grab that super chat from Mike if you have it ready. Um, yeah, throw them on real quick. We'll come right back to these grades, and it ties into what we're doing here overall with the grades and the topic of tonight's show. Mike, bona fide superstar, bona fide. He's one of those faces etched into MHH Mount Rushmore. He's up there. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you, you. He says, what is your midseason grade for Elway, Fangio, and Shermer? Ooh. Appreciate y'all. Well, the one bone I'll pick is I think we should remove Elway from this because in terms of in-season grade, how much is he really – I mean, aside from maybe that Devontae Bosby decision, that could have been an Elway thing. We don't right. know for sure. I've put my ear to the floor trying to get as much insight on that as I could, and I haven't – it's unclear up to this point. So I'll just say for me, I'll keep it Fangio and Shermer. My grades for them, I almost included it in the written article, but I ultimately decided just to keep it to the players. But my grade, and I'll throw in also Tom McMahon, okay, special teams, the coaching for the Denver Broncos up to, up to this point, and I'm being just unflinching, fair, I'm going to give it a D plus. That's because I, mean, I do think there are, are serious points. There have been serious points in this season, Zach, up to, you know, halfway through where the Broncos have fallen short due to coaching miscues, whether it's X's and O's, playing time decision, uh, decisions, in-game type of things. What's your answer? <laughs> Look at Chad Kelberman over here. The tables have turned. <laughs> You're the negative one now. No, I – you have to be fair, and again, I'm breaking this down individually. First of all, in terms of Elway, you're right. It's an in-season thing, but I think his overall big picture with the acquisitions he did make, you can't foresee the pandemic, and you can't foresee the injury. So I like what Elway did uh, over the course of the offseason. Fangio, as a head coach, um, overall, I would give him a C-. minus. As a defensive coordinator, a defensive mind, I give him an A minus. I think he's that good. But as the as the coach of the entire team, I think he has a lot left to go. And he kind of lost me the first five six weeks of the season with his clock management issues, timeout issues, you know, personnel management. Pat Shermer for me though, this is not me saying this because I don't like the hire. I don't like him as a play caller. How could anyone give him higher than a a D? How can anyone justify watching the Broncos and say, he's done a lot of good this year. He's helped Drew Locke in his development. He had three primary jobs, Chad. Call good plays, help Drew Locke along, make the Broncos' offense explosive. He's failed with all three objectives, and he looks worse than his predecessor, who was a rookie coordinator. So I want to give Shermer an F. I want to give him an F-, minus. but in terms of fairness, I'm going to go D-. minus. It just, I just think there are so many different points, and we could recount it if we had. I, I guess we do have a little time to let our hair down, but just think of the first game, Tennessee. All right, two coaching foibles in that game that ended up costing the Broncos. First and foremost, Pat Shermer's mystifying calls on the four-minute offense with the Broncos protecting a one-point lead. 
we don't need to recount the whole thing, but that was truly head scratching. We rang our hands over it after the game. And then Fangio's bizarre decision to bank on Steven Gostkowski continuing his <laughs> slump and not calling that. timeout. So whatever you want to call it, Zach, clock management, timeout management, we'll just call it game management. Yes. That's just one instance. And I think Fangio, for the most part, has bounced back in game from that. You haven't seen any huge head scratchers. I mean, last week there was the kind of curious decision to call timeout when they th- you thought they were going to bring out Brandon McManus for a 59-yarder. Tom McMahon, the special teams coordinator, talks him out of it, but you lose a timeout and an opportunity to kick a 59-yard field goal, which McManus can hit in a dome. Why was that not attempted? I don't know, to be frank with you, but there are different points with throughout this season, from Fangio to Shermer to McMahon, where they have been as much of the problem as the execution on the field. And so, yeah, it, look, if the if by and large the grades, and you're going to see this kind of as a theme, are Cs and Ds, and there's a B minus at least one in here. We'll get to it. Then the coaches are as deserving. What's up, Terry? Good to see you, buddy. And by the way, while I'm on this, I don't know if he's able to listen because he's on East Coast time. I almost forgot. Happy birthday to Mark Langley, one of our superstars out there. He uh, turned the big four, four today. So happy birthday birthday, to Mark. Mark. Talked to him earlier. So happy birthday, but Zach, yeah, the, the, the coaches have been just as complicit as the players up to this point if not more so. And, and when you're looking at, at least on offense with Pat Schumer and, and uh, Shula, they're, again, their one objective, regardless of stats, playoffs, whatever, wins this year, was to advance Locke forward. And they've actually made him go backwards. So the coaching on the offensive side overall, special teams, it gets at least a D, if not worse than that. Defense, Chad, A minus, it, it's to A, that's how good they've been. But it's a huge drop-off when you go from defense to offense, huge. All right, let's jump back to the wide receivers, all right? And basically for me, this has been – I think they they did as good a job at the X position with Tim Patrick over overcoming the loss of Cortland Sutton, as you could expect. Jerry Judy took some going – you know, took it was kind of slow going. <laughs> I would I would give him a better grade, Zach, if uh, – what's that? Well, I just threw up this comment real quick. I thought that oh. was uh... – Yes. Special teams get to G. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, Jerry Judy, though, the drops is is as much as I want to credit him and, and give him some props for how well he's played in particular the last couple of weeks. The drops, including KJ Hamler, persist. As a team, the Broncos have 27 drop passes this year. And, you know, not all of those lay at the feet of the receivers. The tight ends have dropped a few. The backs have dropped a few. Uh, but most of them are accounted – uh, among the wide receivers. And so as as much as I – and Deshaun Hamilton, again, he's a guy one step forward, two steps back. Tim Patrick has, has definitely outkicked his coverage. I'd love to see more from Tyree Cleveland, but with the Broncos already having to rely on two rookie wide receivers, I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense to get him on the field, especially where Deshaun has started to kind of turn the corner a little bit. My grade for this unit, and I think this is a grade in particular amongst all the grades you're, we're going to talk about tonight – Position-wise, this is one that can climb significantly between yes. now and the end of the season because they're they got momentum again. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, twenty-four targets combined last week. This is a group that is on the ascent. But for now, just based on body of work up to this point, I give the wide receivers a C plus. What would you give? 
that grade can definitely be a B plus by year's end easily. And it's so tough to grade the Broncos wide receiver group. First of all, they lost Cortland Sutton. They lost their superstar. They lost their leader. They're balancing also three different quarterbacks, a young quarterback and Locke learning as he goes along and also shoddy play calling. Whereas Pat Shermer doesn't get the ball in his receiver's hands. I, I like a lot of what Jerry Judy did, and you feel like he's really developing. You feel like he's on the verge of a true breakout, 200-yard, two-touchdown game. K.J. Hamler stepping up, caught a game-winning touchdown pass. Tim Patrick is my boy. He's just a gamer week in and week out. I would venture to say, given the circumstances, this is a B-minus group in Denver. When you factor in the quarterback play, the play calling, the injuries, all of that, the the lack of an offseason, the two rookies leaving the depth chart, I think they've done way more good than bad, and I give Zach Azani a lot of credit dealing with the blows that have come to him. I do too. I just wish that the momentum that they've established over the last two weeks, I wish that that had started a little bit earlier in the season. And there have been flashes, but the consistency has been lacking. And any of you guys, I mean, any bones that you have to pick, we want to hear it with the grades, myself included. The written article, you can go comment there. You can get your comment in here in the chat stream. We'll get to it. But Zach, let's dive into the tight ends. And, you know, this this is a position that began uh, as an embarrassment of riches, and it has now become a bona fide skeleton crew with three guys. And that's not if you don't count Troy Fumagalli, who they moved on from before the season started. Three guys on <laughs> on injured reserve. That's fine. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm sorry, Chad. Were you uh... – Well, I, I gave him a C. All right, this is where I'm at. They're not utilizing Noah Fant enough, okay, period, end of story. That's not necessarily Fant's fault, but he's got to share some of the complicity in his relative lack of production up to this point. I think mostly it can be laid at the feet of the the schemer and the and the trigger man, Drew Locke. But no Fant, I I just have this feeling that they got to be they have to start figuring out a way to utilize him more, yeah. especially if Alberto is you know he's gone for the rest of this year. One quick aside, real quick though, I got this in the in the press release from the Broncos. Noah Fan only needs 89 receiving yards to become the 18th tight end in NFL history to reach 1,000 receiving yards by his 24th career game. So there's a little additional incentive for him to get to 89 yards against the Raiders. But I give the, the Broncos tight ends, all things considered, I give him a C. Yeah, I'm actually in full agreement with you. And again, you can't really fault Noah Fant too much because it goes back to Pat Shermer ignoring him for halves at a time. I give Noah Fant a B plus. I give Albert O a solid B, but everyone else, Chad, Nick Van Ed, you know, Jake Butt, they get, you know, incompletes. So I think overall, I think a C plus is a fair grade for the tight end group, if only for Noah Fant. Offensive line. I want to go through this really quickly. Graham Glasgow, the big prize free agent. I wouldn't call him a bust. That's that's a too extreme, but he has definitely played under par through the first half of the season, and he missed two games because of the virus, and that really sucks, and that shouldn't count against him. But even though six games prior, actually he missed one before that too for, what was it, an ankle or a knee, I want to say? Either way, to me, he's he's been under par what I expected him to be at right guard. Of course, Jawan James opts out before the season started. Elijah Wilkinson, craptastic. It was not good. He ends up on IR. DeMar Dotson, even though he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level by any stretch, he's at least playing at an average right tackle level. On the other side, Garrett Bowles is your shining example of this offensive line. It makes you feel like you're in upside-down world. Dalton Reisner has regressed. Lloyd Cushenberry has been atrocious for the last five games or so. So for me, this is a unit. I mean, we could go through the numbers, and I want to if we still have some time here in terms of where the Broncos are rankings wise offensively but they're still bottom 
I mean, they're bottom five in almost all these categories I'm looking at here. I'll show it to you guys here in a little bit, but I give them a D, Zach, the, the offensive line. I'm right there with you. It's it's bizarre world, but it's 2020 where anything is possible, including Garrett Bowles being the Broncos' best player. Uh, he gets, uh, I would say, a solid B plus, but everyone else. Cushionberry is a rookie, you know, and he's had Dalton Reiser underperforming, and he had Graham Glasgow underperforming. I can't fault him too much, but yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, the offensive line has been bad for most stretches this season, and it makes you wonder about the allure of Mike Munchak. That's two years in a row now where this offensive line isn't exactly, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys of years past. It's he has this reputation, but what has he really done except for maybe, which is deserving of credit, turn around Garrett Bowles. But other than that, what has Munchak really done for this line? Yeah, if you drill down to the individual level, the success story for Munchak, if his time in Denver ended after this season, which it's not going to, but if it did, the success story is I turned around Garrett Bowles. Meanwhile, I presided over the regression of a very promising second-round pick in Dalton Reisner. Yeah. Couldn't quite get – uh Ronald Leary turned around in his final year as a Bronco right guard. Couldn't quite get the value we needed out of Graham Glasgow, who was paid to replace Ron Leary at right guard. Couldn't get Elijah Wilkinson to really turn the ship around, despite another season where he was given the opportunity, handed the opportunity to start in place of Juwan James. And Cushenberry, I don't blame too much that on on Mike Munchak, just because – Again, if you talk to football people, coaches, scouts, center was one of the positions in which the pandemic, losing 1,400 reps in OTAs, 1,400 reps combined when you also include preseason, that was going to be, if you had to rely on a rookie center, one of the positions most affected. But I'm with you on that, Zach, that at some point you would expect to see more macro returns with regard to the Mike Munchak influence and not just a little success story here and there. And just think how close he was to becoming the Broncos head coach. I, I know Fangio isn't exactly, you know, uh, a Hall of Famer right out of the gates, but uh, going with Mike Munchak, considering he can't really even nail down the offensive line, imagine him presiding over the entire team. It's a pretty scary thought. All right, I want to get to the defense real quick. I just want to shout out Jess here jumping in. Appreciate you. He says Thanks. he's a nine-year vet and counting. So appreciate you, my friend. Thank you Hats for your off to you. Yes. Thank you for your service. And he says a three-year MHH vet. So that's cool, man. And I'm glad that you reached out. Jess is one of the guys that went from YouTube, connected with us on Twitter. So it's great to connect with all of our listeners, but especially our our Super Chat superstars. So shout out to you, Jess. Let me see here where we're at. We got Mike. Okay, I want to blaze through the defense because we're at 42 minutes. So let's blaze through it. Um, We we start to get to who I think has really been the success story for the Denver Broncos defensively this year the defensive line, and just, I mean, you look at week nine, the Broncos were without even one of their day one starters on the D-line because Shelby, of course, being being out. And the fact that they overcame that for the most part as a unit, obviously it was a, it was a loss, but as a unit, you, you saw DeMarcus uh, Walker get a sack, you saw Draymond Jones get a sack, you saw Draymond tip a ball, you saw McTelvin uh, Ajima, rookie, getting his, I guess, second real meaningful action of the year, tip a pass himself, and Overall, this defensive line, to me, Zach, has outkicked its coverage yep. in spite of all the losses, including Mike Purcell. My grade for them is a B-. minus. 
This is far and away the strength of the Broncos uh, this season, at least, considering the injuries, considering the production. Uh, you go down the list. Shelby Harris, you know, before Mike Purcell was injured, Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker, Ajim, even Sylvester Williams looked pretty good in his little stint in Denver. Bill Collar, I said it a lot. You said it a lot. He is far and away the best defensive line coach in the entire NFL, and he they get better under his watch, including Deshaun Williams. I give this group an A-, minus, Chad. They are very solid this season. Yeah, and Deshaun Williams, one of the feel-good stories in the NFL this year, but definitely the feel-good story for the Broncos. Just cut after cut after cut, and finally he gets his opportunity, and he has definitely made the most of it. I mean, I'm not going to go overboard. It's not like he's playing like an all-pro, but he is playing at a starter level. He's playing at an average level, and this was a guy that was not necessarily told, um, you know, you can't play in the league, but when you're handed your walking papers time after time after time, including from the Broncos, what, three times? This is his third stint, or was it his fourth? It was at least his third stint. You know, you're you're basically being told the subtext, Zach, is you can't play in this league. You're not meant for this league. And so it's just so great to see that from him. Um, he was Vance's boy, too, in Cincinnati when Vance was the coordinator there. So <laughs> we appreciate that, VJ. He's a good player. Uh, rush linebackers, this might seem a little bit harsh because – Chubb and Reed came on strong there from week four through week eight, you know, basically combined for about 10 and a half sacks over that stretch. They kind of fell off last week. And in, and because it was slow going and because Attachu has been unable to get on the field, I'm giving them an overall C plus. Okay. But I do think this is another group that is on the ascent. Bradley Chubb, you know, if, if you were to get a truly earnest and honest reply from him if you were to ask him are you back at 100 my guess is he would tell you not quite i'm almost there I'm, I'm like this far away but he looks like it he looks like he's he's there and i think this is a unit that's going to continue to improve as the year goes on but for now i'm giving him a c plus similar to the receivers though zach they're right. on the ascent it's exactly what I was going to say. It's tough to grade them considering they lost their superstar in Von Miller, but Malik Reed has really stepped up opposite Bradley Chubb way more than I thought he would. Attach has been kind of a bust this year. They brought him back uh, as a potential starter, and he really hasn't performed to that. But just getting Bradley Chubb back to his 2018 level, or at least close to it, um, C-plus I agree with. I can even go B-minus, but it's a solid grade that should end up maybe with an A by year's end. Inside linebackers. I've honestly been a little bit disappointed with Alexander Johnson this year because even though last year he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a phenomenal uh, coverage linebacker, but he made a lot of big impact plays in games. And you haven't seen those, those same game changing type of plays, at least through the first half of the season. And he's definitely been even more of a liability in coverage than he was last year. Meanwhile, the flip side is, Josie Jewell has really come on strong. You know, he's got three games this year with double-digit tackles, does Josie Jewell. And last week was one of those games, and he's just – he's perform- he's outkicked his coverage. I think that's the third time I've used it in tonight's stream. As a coverage guy, he's still very limited athletically as a linebacker. We all know this. But he is doing – he's going above and beyond. And because of that, I'm going to give the Broncos off-ball linebackers an overall grade of C. And I think if – you know, if they continue on this trajectory and can improve even slightly, you can get into the maybe low Bs. I think that's just talent-wise, that's about where you're going to max out with what you have in Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. Though we'll be curious to see, Zach, as Mark Barron has been activated to practice, you know, that three-week window has begun where he can practice and the team can decide if they want to put him on the roster. It'll be interesting to see if he does end up making it onto the 53 and then 
you know, playing a factor in, on the defense. Yeah, let's just hope he stays healthy for longer than a week. If the Broncos get anything out of Mark Barron, it's a bonus. Uh, this is where I'm going to agree with the inside linebackers. Keep it really simple. In terms of run support, A.J. Johnson and Joseph Jewell get ace. In terms of pass coverage, they get, to be generous, they get Ds. So the average of that is what? A C minus? I think that's where I would go with the inside linebackers. They need a true three-down guy. I hate to make this a little segue, but it has to be an offseason priority. Not more than a cornerback or a tackle, but inside linebacker, a true three-down guy. They cannot keep putting these bandits. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. It's an inside linebacker anymore. They have to get their guy next offseason, so C-minus. All right, cornerbacks. Let's let's blaze through the corners and and the safeties. We'll kind of put it into one amalgamation here. This was uh, hamstrung a unit that was hamstrung by losing AJ Bouye. You know what was it? A quarter and a half into the season opener, he gets that shoulder, goes on to injured reserve. They get him back week seven, and then he gets the concussion. So you really haven't seen the full vision of what Fangio's cornerback group was supposed to be. You've seen a few fleeting hints of it. Week right. one, few few quarters. Week seven, you're going against Patrick Mahomes. And to their credit, when they did have Bouye Callahan and O.J. Moody on the field together, they limited Patrick Mahomes. I mean, 0 for 8 on third down, the Chiefs. And I get it. It was in the snow, and it was a weird game for the Chiefs. But that's a credit to the, to the corners. But that's really been outside of Callahan's just revelation. His, his performance to me has been revelatory. I mean, I knew he was like – Low-end Pro Bowl caliber, like a like a Pro Bowl alternate type of guy if if he could stay on the field. But to me, I mean, he's playing like top five level when he's been on the field. And, of course, he missed this last game because of a mysterious ankle injury. And O.J. Mudia, he's definitely exceeded my initial expectations for him, even though all that positive momentum he built up in the first six games, Zach, has kind of receded because he's, he's now stacked two games in a row. Not good play at all. But overall, I'm giving the corners real quick here a C and the safeties. I'm sorry to say it, but this was the strength of the defense last year, that back end. Justin Simmons has flashed, but he's looked more like the almost guy of his first three years, regressed compared to who he was last year. And Kareem Jackson in coverage, I'm sorry, he looks every day of his 33 years and outside of his 
you know, he has played well of late in terms of run support, but I'm giving them a C plus. So C plus for the safeties and a C for the corners, Zach. I'm going to flip that, and I, I would venture to say that Bryce Callahan has been dominant this season. I, I would venture to say he's been playing at an all-pro level, let alone Pro Bowl. So he, great signing last offseason, finally paying dividends. Um, Ozumudia has looked good for a third-round rookie. Not perfect, but not horrible either. A.J. Boye started the season as the Broncos cornerback won. Uh, he got injured. It's tough to really grade the secondary, but most of their players in, in, the, in the back end are graded according to PFF, which is not the end-all, be-all, in the top ten. So I think a C plus for the corners, considering maybe even a B minus, considering the receivers and the offenses they've gone up against and they've just smothered. Bryce Callahan gets no credit to the outside media, whereas he's like, I think, the second or third highest graded corner in the entire NFL, let alone slot guy. I think B minus for cornerbacks. Safeties, yeah, I'm with you on Simmons. He's been disappointing. Kareem Jackson, I don't get all the the, uh, the the praise for his hit when he knocked out his own teammate. I think they've been kind of underwhelming. They're good in run support. Very shaky in pass coverage still for the most part. I'm going C for the safeties and B minus for the cornerbacks. All right, last thing. I mean, I'm giving special teams. F. Uh, I'm giving them a D, and here's why it's not an F. All right, McManus has played very, very well. Sam Martin, outside of Muffin, won. You know, he dropped that one punt. As a punter, he's brought competency back to the Broncos special teams. He's been able to flip the field. I, I'd like to see a little bit better in terms of inside the 10 type of pinning him, um, directional punting. But because of the specialists and because they're, they've actually done well as returners, like uh, I'm not going to do a share screen, but just to give you guys some insight, the Broncos are – ranked seventh in their punt return average as a team, all right? And then in kick return average, they are 21st. And that dropped after last week. So they were they were top 10 in both those departments, which is why they got to do. But overall, Zach, um, I can understand any argument that wants to make it. Yeah, well, excuse the hell out of me. I'm not going to praise McManus for doing his job and living up to the contract they paid him. They paid him as the fourth highest kicker. He's being, you know, he's making the kicks that a fourth highest paid kicker would make. In terms of Sam Martin, yeah, he's been good, but is that the bar, Chad? Competency, considering Marquette King and Colby Wadman, is competency the bar? He's been solid, but not anything that's going to change my grade. Uh, they can't cover. They have no explosion. There's no creativity. Tom McMahon is one of the worst coordinators I've seen on any side of the ball. Um, I can maybe say D minus, but I'm saying F for specials. All right. Tom Algreco, north of the 49th parallel. Let's rapid fire through these uber patient super chat superstars. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you, Tom. He says, no more punt returns for Bryce when he's back. Uh, yeah, that'd be nice. And you wonder where that ankle came into play. Was it? It's impossible to know, but, but, you know, that's when they're in a rock and a hard spot. They've had to rely on Bryce, and it just adds to his, his value as a player. When I saw that, though, I thought to myself, why with a bum foot would you risk him on a punt return? He's your best cornerback. You have no other player that can handle a punt return. And that goes back to coaching for me, and that's why McMahon gets an F. All right, let me look here. John, did we get Terry's actual super? If so, it might have been while I – there he is. Thank you. Uh, while I was off screen, Terry Randall, another guy up there north of the 49th parallel, the OG that probably was one of the inspirations behind the hashtag state of being. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. He says, we need better coaching. Hashtag yay. Yep, yep. still celebrating uh, your uh, what's going on in your life, man. So happy and stoked for you, my friend. And uh, we got the the Broncos wizard jumping in with a super. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Love you, buddy. And again, uh, happy Veterans Day to you, my friend, also a veteran of the Armed Forces. But I was thinking about it as I was tweeting later in the afternoon, Mike. Was it Army? I couldn't remember. Was it Army or Marines? 
I, I couldn't remember which one. I know it's one of those two. Um, anyway, let me know. Jonathan Chaverez jumping in. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. It says uh, Orlando, Mr. O, Orlando Franklin on 104.3 The Fan said that Drew is done as the guy. He says he's too scared, is afraid of taking hits. Do you think he should be better? Yeah, I think he should be better, but I also think that Mr. O, Big O, <laughs> Uh, is jumping to conclusions, yeah. and that's part of what his job is as a as a radio guy is to kind of be you know edge lordish at times. It's just too early, in my opinion, to say that Drew Locke is done. I mean, you could just as easily say that you know I know for a fact that he's the guy. The truth is, we don't know yet. We just don't know. And could he be better? Should he be better? Yes, and I think you will start seeing some improvements from him. Watch the final drive of the Chargers game on the game-winning touchdown drive. He absorbed a few hits. He's not scared. I don't care what Orlando Franklin has to say. He has to play better Drew Locke, but he's not tentative. He's not shy. He's not scared of taking hits, and he damn sure isn't done as Denver's quarterback. Uh, Mundungus again jumping in. Thank you, my brother. He says, is it Pat Shermer being bad or Drew Locke making Pat Shermer look bad? I'm leaning towards Locke. You know, there is some nuance here, okay? There really is some nuance, and – Sometimes when you're doing a podcast and uh, and you're not breaking down the film in real time, you can you can lean one way or the other and come off absolute, right? There are no absolutes. There's complicity shared on on both ends. And I think there are a lot of different things that Pat Shermer can do to improve things for Drew Locke. But at the same time, there are there have been instances this season where Drew Locke, Zach, has made Pat Shermer not look good. But I err on the side of, Pat Shermer being the more yes. at blame here. Yeah, and again, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be black or white. Like most things in life, the NFL is very gray, and it's both of them. They've both let each other down. They've both been, uh, like you said, Chad, complicit. But let me just make an analogy here. When you have a new manager coming in and they're being trained, if they mess up, who gets the blame, the new manager or the trainee? If you're a two-time former head coach in the NFL, Pat Shermer, if you're a noted quarterback whisperer and coordinator and you can't handle a second-year quarterback, it's automatically his. it falls at his feet. He was hired to do one job. So the second-year quarterback who's a first-time starter with a handful of games under his belt, he's making mistakes. That's going to happen. The, the trainee is going to make mistakes too. But who gets the write-up? Who gets in trouble? The manager, the trainer, that'd be Pat Shermer. So it's both of them. They've both been bad. But if I'm leaning one way, far and away, it's the coach, it's the superior, and not the employee. Bison M, a bona fide drummer. I checked out your band, by the way. Sorsha? It's Sorsha, right? <clears throat> and they reminded me. I think I, I did tweet this. Hopefully you saw it. I haven't been able to hang out on Twitter today like I might normally. But uh reminds me, his band, <clears throat> up there in Washington, of like a mix between – like a like a mix between classic Danzig, some Black Sabbath, definitely some tones there, some Black Sabbath streaks, and even like a little prong, dude. I'm throwing some prong in there, all right? But really cool. It was very fun. I'm, I'm glad I, I got a chance to hear your band. So props to you, my friend. He says, I'm still on the Drew train. Hashtag Darth Lightyear. I'm on it too until the wheels come off, Chad. I'm sure you're with <laughs> me on that. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do, right? If, if he's the guy for now. And until we know for a fact that he's not, you're looking for him to turn the ship around. Uh, J-Lo, jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Be sure to reach out and connect with us on Twitter so that we can keep the conversation going, but we like shouting out our superstars after each pod as well. J-Lo says, if you can touch it, you can catch it. That's what my coaches always told me, LOL. Yeah, I mean, there are a few exceptions. Like, here's an example, Zach. 
if you guys can think back to that week six game against the Patriots, the, the one Jerry Judy drop in the end zone, that's a really difficult catch to make, even for the great NFL wide receivers. But the truly great ones make that catch right through his arms. It just went right through his arms, and it should have been a touchdown. If that's Cortland Sutton, yeah. I'm literally putting money on him catching that ball. Like he would have caught that ball. But I agree with the sentiment, JLo. If you can touch, if your hands touch it, you know, if it's within like this, what do they call it? The catch radius, you got to catch it. Same thing happened to Albert O. Same thing happened to Deshaun Hamilton. It, it's it's not just a cliche in the NFL. It's true. If you get your hands on it, you're expected to catch it. So I'm right there with you, JLo. All right, Terry, jumping in again. Appreciate you, my friend. Lest we forget. Amen, brother. Right, right there with you. Appreciate uh, appreciate our Canadian brethren up there, north of the 49th parallel. Geo, Ben, thinking a lot about you, my friend. George Vandermark, talk about a superstar, MHH, Mount Rushmore guy. I don't want to betray uh, – well, I guess we did talk about this publicly. We put out a call on social media that George needed your prayers. And, and uh, although he's been through some touch-and-go moments, recovering from the word that shall go unmentioned, it looks like – He's 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 uh, the light is at the end of the tunnel. He's getting closer to it. So, George, our thoughts and our prayers have been with you, my friend. Appreciate you being in the stream. He says, with all I've been through, it's great to be here with my Broncos family. Here's to a better second half of the season. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. You're going to get a better second half too. Broncos country. That's why Chad and I have been preaching optimism and patience. Hang in there because the second half of the season, playoff seed or not, is going to yield some exciting results. So just hang in there. Hang in there, my brother. Dale Rude jumping in. Thank you, Dale. Good Thank to you, see Dale. you, my friend. He says, I felt last night's show was a bit negative, talking about building the Broncos. Glad I made it uh, back tonight. Always find myself nodding in agreement with both of you guys. I don't have a lot to give, but want to continue support. Hashtag MHH. Well, thank you, thank you Dale, you know, on multiple counts. Yeah. You know, one thing to keep in mind, guys, with uh, with Nick and with Carl, I mean, these, these are real football dudes. Like, these are film breakdown guys. And I think um, even though Carl I, I probably is more airs on, you know, he's more of a glass half full type of guy in terms of just his his aura, right? His outlook, his his spirit. Nick, I wouldn't say is necessarily glass half empty, but he's definitely a pragmatist. He's he's a guy that should have been born in the show me state, right? And he just, you know, it's not that he's looking for the hole in the boat, but he just he's very pragmatic, and so. You know, just keep in mind that they're they just tell it to you like they see it, and they you know no spin on how they see it. Zach and I, I don't know that I need to really go into any more explanation on this, but we're just generally more optimistic, and especially as it relates to Drew Locke, we've seen the flashes, and we we think that there can be more. There more is coming. You know, they just need to yeah. find that consistency with Drew, and you know, everyone was so quick, Zach, to jump to the to the cliff and go off the cliff and the knee jerking and all that. And like Mike was saying, Mundungus, I got one foot off the Drew train. I'm about ready to jump. I do understand that, but it's just so early. And the QB envy that has taken place in Broncos country, mostly thanks to Justin Herbert has just exacerbated the issue. I think with, with regard to the Drew lock impatience, but we remain optimistic that you're going to see him turn it around and get even better and get closer to the guy that you saw uh, at the end of last season in these final eight games. 
Dale, I did not catch the show last night, so I don't know what you're referencing specifically, but this is why we have so many podcasts on the network. There's different flavor, different flavors for different people. And if you don't like us, you like maybe Carl and Nick, you like uh, Lance and Eric. We have followers, they have followers, but there's a show for everyone. So we appreciate that you're with us tonight. Absolutely. Kevin G., appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you. A name that is increasingly becoming more active on Super Chat. So welcome and thank you, my friend. He says, uh, if. Fangio doesn't work out this or next year. Do you think we should go after an offensive-minded head coach? And if so, who do you think would be a good candidate? Um, Fangio has carte blanche through the Elway era. All right, he's he's got through twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. I really believe that absolutely, based on everything I've heard, everything I've been told, people I've talked to, using my own noggin, the lay of the land. It just is what it is. So it's an issue that is so far down the road in terms of it being a pressing. We don't know who the coaches are going to be available wise in 2022. We don't know. And it could be a completely different um, ownership regime. They could sell the team. Brittany Boland by this point, maybe takes over and wins in court. We don't know exactly. Elway could retire and step down, pass the reins on to Matt Russell. There are so many things. And, you know, there's, there's some obvious names out there, like in the college ranks. But it's so far into the future, Zach. I hate to leave one of our superstars hanging, but it's just I don't see it being a pressing issue for at least a year and a half. Well, I'm right there with you. I do think Fangio gets all of 2021, then they'll decide on his fate going forward. But if I had to give you my educated guess right now, the next head coach of the Broncos, when and if they move on from Fangio, it has to be an offensive-minded guy, Chad. They have to get a guy who's going to work with the next quarterback no matter who that's going to be. They've tried defensive guys. It hasn't worked out the way the NFL is going. You need offense. Um, you talk about the enemy this offseason. He won't be around in 2022. You have to keep in mind, though, if the Broncos, the new rule now, if they hire a minority coach, two second-round picks in consecutive years. That's also something to keep in mind. Whether they go for a rookie or a minority, I don't know yet, but I think the next guy after Fangio will be offense. Yeah, and it really is going to be contingent on the philosophy, <clears throat> excuse me, of ownership and the philosophy of whoever's running football operations in the front office. And the overall trend in the league is offense, right? The Broncos have bucked that trend in two consecutive head coaching cycles. And that might explain one, you know, why they've struggled to keep pace with the the trends of the league. But gang, we got to dip out of here for tonight. Thanks for sticking with us as we had to uh, backdate the the go live here because YouTube was having some issues, but it was a great conversation. We got a chance to talk with each and every one of you, get some super chats, some comments, some questions, and these grades out of the way. So thanks for being with us. And Zach, we'll be, of course be back tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag. We'll dive more into the Raiders tomorrow yeah. night. All right, we'll look ahead specifically to Week Ten. We'll look at some statistical comparisons between the Broncos, the Raiders. You know, maybe uh, tender a, a pick for Week Ten. Right now, the Broncos are five-point dogs going into their first matchup in Vegas. It's going to be fun to, to see how it shakes out. And we'll be at a more traditional time tomorrow night, God willing. We won't, we'll be at around 8 o'clock you know, Eastern, 6 Mountain, not 9 o'clock. So I appreciate you guys, and we'll see you then. Follow the pod at Huddle Up Pod, at Mile High Huddle. My partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL on Twitter, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then, of course, our producer, John K at John K MHH on Twitter. A Mile High salute to our Super Chat superstars a legit salute to all of the great veterans out there yes. uh, and especially those who are, who are in our community. We love you. We appreciate each and every one of you, but we do got to dip out. So we'll see you tomorrow night, 6 PM Mountain, 8 PM Eastern for Zach. I'm Chad. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the huddle up podcast. 
Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.